Today we wrap up the Colby Cast Convention with episode 113. Whether you are able to make it to our July webinar event or not, you'll have a chance to hear from our Colby members about many of Colby's programs and offerings. Join us at this roundtable with Megan Langle, Everett Boyarski, Nicole O'Connor, Chrissy Almanzar, Tony Gazzolo, and Maggie Hayden as we discuss all things Colby. If you're only now deciding to join Colby Academy for the upcoming school year, stick around until the end of the podcast for a code for a discount on August enrollment. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. We have come to the finale of our second ever Colby Cast Convention. I've been reminiscing a bit on the few in-person convention experiences I've had in my life. None of them homeschool related, actually. I've yet to make it to a homeschool convention in person. There were lots of positives that came from attending the conventions mixed in with some stuff that has become part of the lore, as it were. But one standout convention memory is stumbling upon the Wanamaker organ in downtown Philadelphia when I was there for an orchestra administrator's convention back in the day. I had no idea it was there, and I can't remember why I was in the department store for which the organ is named in the first place when I was there for other things. I just remember hearing the magnificent instrument come to life and being enthralled. Stephen, what about you and conventions? I imagine you have gone to your fair share. Well, some, but whenever I get the chance, I try to avoid going to them just because there's huge amounts of people and they want to talk to me, which is scary. So uh, whenever I can find an excuse to send my wife to one who can can uh, is much better at explaining things than I am anyway, then it's like, well, I can watch the kids. I'll take care of the dogs. You go ahead and have fun at the convention. But um, yeah, so that's I try to try to weasel my way out of as many of them as I possibly can. Gotcha. You guys make a good pair. It's, it's not everyone's cup of tea, is it? So, Well, let's set the scene for this convention finale. Some of our fine Colby folks are going to briefly highlight Colby's program offerings. If listeners want to find out more about particular areas, recordings from our recent open house about Colby's program admission are available on our YouTube channel. We'll have that link in the show notes along with links to relevant ColbyCast episodes. Our panel today includes Megan Lengel, Everett Bayarski, Nicole O'Connor, Tony Gazzaldo, Chrissy Almanzar, and Maggie Hayden. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for being a part of this episode. Megan, I hope my sister Hope, Kobe alumna, and our colleague here on the Kobe cast, she works behind the scenes now with, with us. She likes to tell the story of a convention with you in St. Louis, where you helped her considerably with her chemistry. She'll, you know, she's a, quick to admit that chemistry was not her strongest subject. And she likes to tell the story of asking about Whole Foods market where she was interested to go and you were telling her that the St. Louis one wasn't as big as the Atlanta one and we were all having a good laugh because uh, the Whole Foods in our area is smaller than both of those. So she likes to reminisce on the time she spent with you at conventions. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite things about going to those conventions is actually meeting some of the students and the parents. And so, you know, meeting Hope that that time, I mean, it was a long time ago, um, was just, it was so much fun. and. Um, I think I actually remember that whole whole food story. They brought me food back, which was wonderful. Well, they're happy to. But, you know, I, I loved conferences. I love traveling. Um, so when I first started working for Colby, uh, it was just a couple months after my husband and I had gotten married. And so we didn't have kids yet. And, you know, the conferences are on the weekend, right? So like once you have kids and a family and everything, it can be hard to travel on the weekend. So I was volunteering. I was like, I'll go to all the conferences. So I did, I did conferences, even when I was pregnant with my oldest who was due in August. So I did, I was gone every other weekend traveling around. And I even did my last conference. It was luckily in Atlanta. Um, I was like 36 weeks pregnant, maybe. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember Mary Rolls, our executive director had come in to do that conference with me. And I just remember going, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end of this one. So I used to go to quite a few of them. And then I started being pretty selective. Like I'd go to the one in St. Louis because I grew up there and it was an excuse to also visit my parents. And then, you know, I'd always do the Atlanta one. Occasionally I would go to some of the bigger ones. I went to Chicago a few times. 
one of my favorites was the national conference that I went to with Everett and then uh, Christie's husband, Jordan. Um, we, that was like maybe in 20, 2019, it must've been 2019. And it was one of my favorites because I met a lot of my teachers. It was really the first conference I had gone to since we had started the online school. And um, so I got to meet Amanda Hayes, Elizabeth Hoxie, Alicia Copley was there. There was a lot of uh, teachers that just happened to live in the area and they all came by to our booth and, and met and we went out to dinner with them. So I, I think that's just my favorite thing. It's kind of similar to like graduation, right? You get to meet all these people that you've been working with forever and you get to see them in person. So it's definitely a highlight just to see everybody. Yeah. Would you give us an overview of some enrollment considerations and dates that we need to be keeping on our radar? Yeah, sure. Um, of course it is. It's July. So the school year is coming. So yeah, there's a lot of enrollment things to think about coming up. Probably the first one is that we do have late fees that get instituted, uh, on for our online courses. Um, however, if you are part of this conference and we actually have a code waiver that you'll be able to use to waive those late fees, um, which is very exciting. Yeah. So, you know, here we are in July, probably the biggest consideration is that we do have lots of sections that are already full, have been full for a while. Um, However, you know, for the most part, there's openings in every kind of class, at least some section, um, because we do open additional sections if we need them, you know, in June and and early July uh, as needed. And and enrollment is really, really going well. And so, you know, don't wait, don't wait to enroll. Um, And then, other things just to think about as, as you are considering enrolling and just timelines and that sort of thing. On August 1st, it's kind of like a soft, a soft start date, I'll call it that. Um, you know, classes don't actually start till August 16th. Um, however, we do open student orientation for our 6 through 12 online students on August 1st. I'll let Nicole talk about K to 5 in a little while. So at at that point, that's like a a nice soft start date where students can get into Schoology, which is our learning management system, and and start going through some of the policies and and things, expectations, we'll call them, um, for our online classes. And then the next date to keep in mind is Wednesday, August 10th. Um, All of these Schoology courses become visible to students. So any student that is enrolled in an online course will then be able to see that course in Schoology. Um, and our, our teachers will all have their welcome folders posted um, on that day so that students can start looking and seeing what needs to be done before they come to class the next week. Um, and it's just things like, you know, maybe a review packet or most of them are like getting to know you type of activities, nothing too crazy, sometimes a little bit of reading. Um, And then there'll be a place in that welcome folder to upload their student orientation certificate. So after you complete that student orientation course that I was just talking about a few minutes ago, uh, the students receive a certificate and then they can upload that to their, for their teacher to see that they've completed it. Um, So then, and yeah, other than that, we, we actually start on a Tuesday this year because there's a holy day on a Monday, August 15th uh, is the assumption. And so we are off, we are, our offices are closed on that day. And so live classes begin on Tuesday, August 16th. So yeah, if you're interested in enrolling and you'd like those late fees to be waived, listen to the end of this podcast and Stephen will give you a code for waiving those fees. Super. I, uh, I like the idea of the soft start and I think a lot of people do this in homeschool. They kind of get going slowly, but it applies nicely to the online school as well. Now, the tendency to wait until it's a little bit closer to the actual start date. Let's not go that way. Thanks, Megan. <laughs> I, I will just comment that um, my own experience as a parent this past year is that um, some children don't like to wait and other children really like to wait. So, you know, know, know your child. <laughs> yeah, it's very well put. <laughs> um, and you'll appreciate this, Bonnie. <laughs> So one change we have uh, this year that if you are a returning online student that will be different is that our teachers will no longer be sending individual welcome emails. Um, And for those of you that have, you know, two, three, four, five children in the online school, you will appreciate this because now you won't get 50 emails on one day from different teachers. (laughs) So instead we're doing those welcome folders that I mentioned earlier. 
um, okay. where students will be directed to go into their courses, look at the welcome folder, and it, it'll have all the same information that the welcome letter typically had. But it's just kind of a way to um, control communication and, and help our families stay more organized and hopefully make the beginning of the school year not so crazy. That does simplify things a bit because I, I get copied on all the email, so I get a lot of the same ones. So that's very helpful. Thank you in advance. And I underscore and support the idea of getting in the mindset of school is starting not on the 16th, but before that actually, so that we can kind of get ourselves back in that, in that frame of mind. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Megan. All right, Everett, any standout convention stories to tell us? You know, going back to when I started here, you know, homeschool conferences were a, a big, big thing back in, in 2008. And, you know, only a few months after I'd started, it, they said, hey, there's a conference coming up. What you do is you take these books, you go to it, you just show up and you do things. And I went, oh, okay. And just kind of a, the really reminiscent of the training methods of, of our early days of Colby is they just toss you in and it's kind of a sink or swim as they approach. But the... But especially when we were smaller, there were only a few of us who could travel to, to conferences. So I think one summer, I remember I did four conferences in six weeks, I think, oh. um, which is which basically involves, you know, taking off and leaving my wife at home with the kids uh, for that period saying, you know, have fun. Good luck, honey. I'll, I'll see you in six weeks, you know, sort of um, back during the week a little bit here and there. But I think the, the most memorable conference story for me was the national conference there in, in Northern Virginia. One year we, we showed up. And there was some kind of shipping issue and none of our materials arrived. So we normally show up with eight boxes of books. We have six yeah. tables. We have all of the, the promotional materials and banners and flyers and everything else. Um, and just none of it arrived. Oh, and no. we, we you know, went call the shipping company and said, oh, yeah, it'll be there on Monday or something, which, which doesn't work great when the conference is Friday and Saturday. Right. So that was the definitely the, the biggest adventure. So scramble around of what can we print on demand, run over to local FedEx Kinkos and, and run off, you know, the, a bunch of flyers and pamphlets and things. We'd have something there. Uh, we actually, Mary Rolls, our executive director, in space of about 20 minutes, created a giant, probably three foot by five foot banner that could be sent to a local banner company, be, be printed off to run it off. And uh, luckily I had, we had a, we just started using Kindles that we loaded our whole book libraries onto. So we'd at least have something. So rather than eight tables full of books, it was, I have a Kindle that all the books are on <laughs> and I have a, you know, a handful of flyers here with this, at, with the biggest conference in, in the country, you know, has 1200 or 1500 people show up too. So that was definitely a, an adventure as far as, you know, how do you figure that out? Now, luckily our parents are amazing. And so they come by and one of our parents said, Oh, you know what? I've got a whole bunch of books, and so they ran. They tossed like two boxes of books together and just brought them there as the random sampling of Colby books that a local family happened to have. So it was definitely, definitely an adventure as far as an experience. And then one of my favorite parts was at the end of it. The the banner was a paper banner, and so one of the families said, "Are, are you doing anything with that banner?" I said, "Well, no, not really." And so they took it. They wanted to, to take it, and then they hung it proudly, you know, out in front of their house oh, nice. for the rest of that summer. You know, it says Colby Academy, big broad sign. Um, which is a lot of fun. So definitely a, a memorable conference experience, both from the the panic inducing, but also mm -hmm. from the you know improvising on the fly and and going with that. And my favorite experience of of conferences is meeting all of our families, getting a chance to talk with them in person, because so much of our our communication is done uh, by phone and through email. So it gives us that opportunity for some of the face to face contact. Uh, and so many families that have been with us for years and years started with us because they met us at a conference. You know, the family that met us back in, in 2013 as we're starting up that online program, trying to figure out what, what are we going to do with our children and said, wait, you just have an online program, explained it. They started with us that year. Their last student just graduated, you know, this past summer. Um, so, and so, but so there's a, you know, kind of a friendship that goes all the way back to starting at that conference. So that's yeah. definitely some of my favorite memories of, of conferences and helping, just helping families to figure out how to homeschool, whatever version of homeschooling that looks like. And I think that's maybe one of the, the biggest misconceptions is obviously, I mean, we are at our heart, we are a, a form of homeschool or a homeschool program, uh, but homeschooling looks different for every single family. And so there's homeschooling that is, you know, we, we're now referring it to as traditional homeschooling, which is, is, it's funny for us to be able to say something like that, that homeschooling could be traditional, yeah. which is the, you know, the, the program that we're most well known for going you know, back uh, 30 years, but but there's all different versions of, of home education. And so any kind of 
whether you're doing online courses or self-paced courses or, or, or those, the, those traditional homeschool courses, you're doing a form of home education, you're doing a form of homeschooling. And so that's the, the biggest piece is recognizing that all of this is home education. Um, you know, you're all there, all of our parents are, are, are homeschooling in some fashion, um, whether they're choosing to delegate a portion of that out to, to our online teachers, which is great, um, or not. And, and, and the biggest part that really gets to our, the ability of parents to customize their program to meet the needs of, of their families and of each individual students. Because at, you know, it's important to, to recognize that your students are different, that some students are going to excel in, in one area, some are going to excel in another area, and some of them are going to have different needs that some of them might need. Um, they might need a teacher for a certain subject that another student didn't need. So I think those things, the biggest pieces that we hear is people not realizing that there's this wide range of possibilities, but, but all of it falls under the umbrella of, of homeschooling in some fashion. The one thing to, to mention here as we're kind of wrapping up this, uh, our, our kind of virtual conference or convention um, is just as a reminder in the, for the, the overall academic program, we do have some changes coming this year to high school. Um, we have changes to uh, the way credits uh, are counted. We have changes to uh, diploma tracks. Um, and so if you're, you're interested in kind of for the full um, scope of that, check out our, we have a great uh, high school webinar, high school planning webinar. We also uh, covered these in our, our big, um, announcements back in the spring. But just to, to run through a couple of the basics real quick, we're changing our credit system from 10 credits to one credit to match most of the rest of the United States. Um, California uh, operated on a 10 credit system for a school year where most of the US operates on a one credit because most of our students are not in the state of California. We made the decision that we'd go ahead and transition to kind of that standard one credit system. So that'll be a change that's coming um, that people should be aware of. It's just a matter of moving a decimal point, but it will maybe a little bit jarring, especially for families who've been with us for five or 10 or 15 years when they, they look at their transcripts and realize that they no longer have 260 credits, they have 26 credits. So something just to be aware of up front. But the, the big change is in some adjustments to our diploma tracks. Um, we went and simplified to, to two diploma tracks uh, and a single diploma, regardless which track you're on, you'll receive a Colby Academy High School Diploma. Um, so we have our recommended track, which is designed to meet the requirements of the vast majority of competitive colleges and universities across the United States. Um, and then there's a minimum graduation requirements for students who, for whatever reason, may be unable to, to meet the requirements of that recommended track. And these are the things that the family should be speaking to their, their family advisors about, is checking in with them about what are their plans for their students, what do they hope to accomplish, uh, and then how can they be meeting those requirements. If you're interested in more details on the, the precise requirements, the numbers of credits, check out our website or our handbook um, or that high school planning webinar that they're published in, in a variety of places. But, but definitely talk to your, your advisor about that, about those changes so you can take a look at what those are. And then the other exciting uh, piece that we have is we have a number of new awards that we have released, awards to uh, recognize achievements in, in their uh, their breadth of studies across a range of subjects, the brand new, the St. Ignatius uh, Award and St. Maximilian Colby Award. And then we also have three subject specific awards, which are related to um, excellence in, this, in the study of, of a certain subject area. So the, uh, the St. Thomas Aquinas Award for excellence in uh, the humanities, uh, the St. Albertus Magnus, Albert the Great uh, Award for excellence in math and science, uh, and then the St. John Paul II Award for excellence in the study of foreign languages. Uh, so again, if you're interested in more details on what the requirements are for those awards, check out our website or, or handbook, or again, that high school planning webinar. And we will have some information for you about those, but this is something we're really excited to recognize our students who really go above and beyond either going wide to cover you know, the, the broad range of subjects or who are going deep in a particular subject area. Um, because we have many students who might uh, go very, very deep in math and science or very, very deep in those foreign languages. We wanted to have something that would recognize their achievements uh, as well. So I think those are just a couple of things that we're really excited about for the, the coming school year. Yeah, that's great. We will have links to the, the high school planning webinar. We'll have that in our show notes. And then all the enrolled families receive the, the documents that Everett's talking about. And of course, I'll underline the talk to your advisor recommendation. Uh, and then going back to, we talked about some of the maybe misconceptions that people might have about some of the programs that we offer. Uh, I know one thing that we get a lot of questions about is our, our Homeschool Plus program and our Self-Based Plus program and, and what they are and how they're maybe similar or different. They both have the word plus in them um, and plus has maybe a little reference to grading. Um, but I, we're joined today by Christy Elmanzar who helps oversee both of those programs. Uh, and so I, I know that she'd have some information on, on what those two programs are, what the differences are and why uh, families might want to, to utilize one or both of those programs for some of their students. 
Yeah, so I guess I'll start with the Homeschool Plus. Um, the Homeschool Plus is a, a grading service that allows families to, or students individually, to purchase blocks of submissions um, that will then be graded by a teacher who is either a teacher in that area or specializes in it in some way. So what happens most of the time is that students use this service for essay grading. So we have mostly uh, teachers who are humanities teachers who are trained and specialized in giving feedback um, for the relative grade level of, of the student to help the student to um, better write essays and to formulate thesis statement, um, you know, focus on a logical progression and, and uh, integrate outside sources, all of the things that you need to, to do in a successful academic essay. But we also accept submissions from um, other subjects as well, math um, subjects like science and, and um, Latin and Spanish. And so we do occasionally get submissions in those subjects as well. And we have this coming year, we have teachers ready to grade those submissions. Um, I know in the past it, it can take a, um, some time to get those, those submissions back, but we have it set up this year so that we'll have teachers ready to, to grade those Latin submissions, those Spanish homework. So you can submit anything, um, anything you'd like and uh, you can purchase blocks of 10 or 20 or 50 submissions per student. So that's, that's what Homeschool Plus is. It's not really related to the self-paced plus uh, program. It's just purely a grading service. So I guess if we wanna just talk briefly about the self-paced plus program, the self-paced plus program is a, a, actual individual asynchronous courses where the student will be enrolled in a Schoology course and they will have weekly folders that contain um, lectures for that week and um, quizzes and assignments, readings, all of the, everything they need for that week. Um, and the courses have uh, asynchronous teachers and, and that's a change that's coming up for this next year. There's um, a lot of exciting changes that will, um, improvements that we're making to the Self-Paced Plus program for this upcoming year that I think we'll be talking about at another time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so like as we speak, we have our asynchronous teachers making improvements to these courses, um, augmenting these these auto graded quizzes to better reflect the, the student learning from that week. And the student actually has access to a teacher, but they work through the course at their own pace and they have a year to complete the course, but there are no due dates, for example. Um, so it's, it's quite different from Homeschool Plus, and, and I think the plus kind of leads people to think they're related in some way, but not so. Okay, thank you. That, that's great to separate the two and, and highlight the distinctions between them. And we'll be talking to you here in a couple of episodes from now. We'll go more in depth on the Self-Paced Plus program. Thanks, Chrissy. Yeah, and our listeners should keep an eye out for that one because I'm really excited about some of the things that Chrissy's working on on, on that program. So I think they'll be excited about it too. Very cool. Look forward to that. Okay, Nicole, you are just back from an in-person convention on Colby's behalf. Do you have any stories from that or any other convention stories you want to tell us? I think my favorite memory about this past conference was watching my kids boogie board with the rolls and children. So Chris Rolls came out um, and Maureen Rolls, who's a fourth grade teacher as well at Colby, we got to meet with them, um, get our families together and, and our kids just had such a good time. So like Megan said, I think that is one of the best bonuses is that because we're a remote you know, place for the most part, we see each other over screens for most of it. But then when you get everyone together, it's like you've known each other for a long time. So sure, yeah. that was fun. Um, meeting families, of course, was great. Um, I relate to Everett's Kindle story a little bit because we had a lot of books this time, but I had to navigate the Kindle a few times oh and, and um, it was quite, it was fun um, looking through all of our offerings. I think that's what stood out to me the most with this last conference is we have so much, <laughs> you know, you go to a conference and, and different families come to the table and you get to talk to them about everything we offer. And it's kind of like, where do we start? You know, because um, we have so many different rich programs. We have so many different pieces of curriculum. And so um, I always like to start with our religion curriculum. I start, you know, showing them the faith and life series, kind of talking through that and then walking through kind of how we try to bridge that in all the other areas. We had a lot of really good um, of our, or a lot of good reading guides and different things we use in the humanities. 
maybe that's just because I'm an English teacher at heart. So I went towards the humanities books first. Um, but it was, it was a really, really fun day. And uh, I definitely look forward to doing more in the future. Fantastic. I'm sure everyone enjoyed meeting you. That sounds fun and getting together with the Rolls family. As the elementary online education director, can you hit the highlights of, of that program for us here in, in this context and then tell us where we can learn more about it? Sure. So the elementary program, um, we're going into our third year, which is very exciting. So there've been little tweaks along the way and I feel like we're really entering a great year for the program. Like we worked out some of the kinks um, and we have a lot of returning students who are in a groove with our program. And I will say the, the best part about it is the community of kids. All the, um, you know, it's not just the, the classes online, but the clubs and the ways the kids have connected through prayer and through what they're studying has been really beautiful to see. So if you're a returning family, you may know what I'm talking about, but um, for new families, we do something, uh, we post amazing work every month and um, it's where the kids get to share, you know, with, with our Colby community, all their projects and different things they're working on. And that's my favorite part of every month. You get to see, you know, the Roman aqueducts coming together, or um, you get to see their poetry that they're working on. And they're just, they're so talented and they're really taught to express what they're learning in a beautiful way. And so I'd say that's, you know, the highlight, the, the high level point of the program is that we try to take all the curriculum that we're learning and teach the children to wonder and to appreciate truth, beauty, and goodness, and then to display that in their work. And so whether, you know, they're reading something and trying to figure out the moral of that story, or they're writing something and trying to focus on their beautiful penmanship, because that's an expression of beauty as well. Those are the things that we prioritize and that I think really shine through in the program. Another piece is just the, the way we've developed the schedule. You know, there's this misconception of like, well, I don't want to do online for my kids when they're young because I don't want them on the computer all day. And to that, I say, I don't want my kids on the computer all day either. Um, so that's not how we made the program. We really made sure, you know, we're online when they need to be. So when the instructor is teaching them, you know, the new math content, the new lesson, or when they're learning about, you know, their new figure in history, there's their jumping off point. And that's where they ask their questions and they interact with their peers and they get that really rich instruction. But then, you know, when they don't need to be online, they're not. They're, there's a lot of independent learning that is in the program as well. So they're reading physical books, they're handwriting their assignments, they're working on, um, you know, showing their work in math, all the things that you do with your homeschooler or in a brick and mortar school. Um, and we don't have them on the computer during that time. But, you know, in addition to that, we do still offer support for those offline learning times. So we have Learning Lab in our K-2 program, which is where we, it's just little enrichment labs for more of those hands-on opportunities for the younger children. And then we transition that to homework hangout in third, fourth, and fifth. So your fifth grader who logs off a live class, starts their math homework and says, uh-oh, I don't remember how to do this, <laughs> can come back to homework hangout and receive that support when you're, you know, you're looking over their shoulder saying, uh-oh, I don't know how to do this either. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I think those are the, those are the main things. One of a little conference summary, one of my favorite things that I was talking about with one of the families I met was they're talking about how their homeschool, their daughter that they homeschool has all these clubs that she's the founder of because <laughs> she's the founder of the baking club in their home and all this. Yeah. And um, I was joking that she should come start a club for us because the baking club that we have that Chris Bates runs um, yeah. is just phenomenal. That's such a special gift to those young kiddos. So another fun thing. But I have been experiencing the um, amazingness of the baking club this week Yes, because I signed up my 10 year old for uh, last week's cooking club. And then she wanted to do the, the baking and she's pretty much doing it all on her own. Although she is learning about chemistry and what to do with, um, you know, cookie dough that is very crumbly and you can't roll it out. And, you know, there's, there's been a few tears, but then, you know, she's, she's figured it out. And it, it's amazing how much she has learned in just a couple weeks. My younger daughter was in the baking club this past school year. She had a great time and we were all very and much enjoyed what she made. <laughs> 
So we have a few ColbyCast episodes with our fabulous elementary teachers that we will link in our show notes, and, and they talk more about the elementary program and kind of the aspects of the of how that works between the parent partnership with the teachers and things like that. Do you, is there anything else you want to add to that, Nicole? Regarding the parent partnership, um, I think that is one of the greatest gifts and challenges of enrolling your child in elementary online <laughs> is you get that front seat in your child's education. You get to really participate in a lot of their learning. You get to see them learning um, and interacting, but you have to be on board for, for having a little more structure in your life than you know if you are the homeschooling parent who gets to decide when everything's due and what, what the rhythm of your family is. So uh, just one consideration that, you know, it's, I really enjoyed it uh, as a homeschooling parent because I was able to focus on the fun things that I wanted to plan. So like science field trips and <laughs> art projects, I put my energy into that. But I want every parent that, all parents, but especially in the online program to to feel empowered, to really support their child, advocate for their child, communicate with their teacher in that way. And the teachers love hearing from them. So um, I guess that's my main main point about that parent partnership is just communication is so, so encouraged and so welcomed um, from all of our online teachers. Okay. Thanks, Nicole. All right, Tony Gazaldo, Middle and High School Online Learning Director. How do you feel about conferences? Are you keen to go to them or not so much? Um, I think like a good introvert, I know they're good for me, but I don't particularly want to do them. Fair um, enough. <laughs> so, no, but I, that they're they're really valuable and they're they're uh, a place where, you know, obviously we can come into contact with parents, which is always great to do in person. Um, but then also just bringing minds together from across the country is is also like very very beneficial for everybody involved so i see their value but i'm also bashful so it's understandable well would you give us an overview of the online middle and high school program sure i think the first place i would i would uh i guess where i would begin is is to piggyback off some of what nicole was saying about online and what that that means at colby academy Definitely, as students grow older, they're going to spend a little bit more time um, in online classrooms than at their at their desk at a computer screen. Um, but I, I think it is definitely a misconception. Anytime I tell people that I work for like an online program, their their perception is, oh, so like students are just sitting in front of a screen for all the time that they would be in a in a you know in a building. Mm-hmm. And it's also not true for our six twelve programming. Um, we use screen time very purposefully. Uh, We know that the reason that people are taking our courses online is because they want live instruction. And so that we use that that instructional time uh, very purposefully. And this this kind of schedule that a student would see across a given week, um, I would compare it more to like a college schedule. So where where students have uh, a course for an hour to an hour and 20 minutes, once or twice a week, um, depending on the course and and, and and the grade level. But definitely most of students' learning time is happening independently outside of live classes. And just like in the K-5 program, students have access to their instructors uh, outside of live class time should they need help or, or need to uh, follow up about different things. Um, but I've, I've just found it to be uh, a, a very well-designed program uh, as far as its use of screens. And I've also been very impressed with how students have been able to build community. Um, we try to do that actively, obviously, through through the way that we present opportunities through clubs or other uh, outside of the, the classroom um, platforms, I guess you would say. But students also do it themselves in ways that we have no no control. I won't say con- no control. We have oversight of it. We know what they're up to. Yes. Um, but they they definitely will use sometimes the platforms we've given them um, to build community with each other. So one of my favorite moments this year when I was teaching a history course was when uh, my email inbox all of a sudden exploded with, I, I think I got about 150 notifications in like a couple of hours uh, that students had been using my discussion board. Um, and it was for the uh, the famous societies uh, thing that they had all developed all on their own without <laughs> us doing anything. Um, and it was awesome that they were doing that. It was all in good fun. Um, but what I thought was so great was that they were just responding to their desire for community and to, to interact with each other, even through, um, you know, a virtual medium. And I, I just, I go back to how I, I, 
I, I've experienced remote work before. I've seen how online education works in other places and other contexts, but I've never seen community develop so well among uh, professionals. So our staff and teachers and our students as here. And I just have to think that this, that the Holy Spirit has something to say about that. That's, yeah. that's, that's something that is, that is operating on all of us, even though we don't, um, you know, understand how or, or how that, that, that works. Um, but it's definitely there. So that's one thing I would point to. I think another couple of things that I'll point to that would address maybe common questions that people have about uh, what we're about. Um, one is is that we, when we say that we are uh, mission oriented, is that we uh, take the formation of students in the faith and as whole people super seriously to the point that that there are so many conversations that we have where we, where, what is the deciding factor for a direction we might go is mission. But even on, on things like simple processes for how, I don't know, a parent uh, navigates, a, 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 you know, our administrative stuff. So if a parent, parent wants something done, how do we achieve this? How oftentimes we're circling back to mission related things. And I, th I think though, that in addition to, at least in online, in addition to our strengths, I guess, coming from our teachers and the, and the quality of instructors that we hire, uh, a strength for all of our students, whether they're taking online courses or not, is our curriculum. And what I would say is that our curriculum is not merely a secular curriculum with religion courses tacked on, that uh, we see every single discipline as being ingredient um, in the mission. So ingredient in the formation of students in the faith and as whole people. So we don't, we don't believe you can talk about creation in science without talking about the creator. Um, we, we see the study of literature as giving students insights into the human condition. Uh, we see math as the language in which God wrote the universe. And we see uh, God acting in history, where inca the incarnation is the hinge of history, um, that God has been active in history up and down the centuries, and that, that he has given each of our students a role to play in that story. And I think that, that all of those things make our curriculum super strong. And I think the last thing that I would point to for our, our uh, 612 programming is that we call ourselves classical. And I think that that is a confusing ter term for people sometimes. Uh, it, and I think that's the case because it means different things depending on who you ask. There's not like an industry standard definition of what we mean by classical. But I think at Colby, we say classical in, in uh, our subject matter, I think, primarily, um, meaning that that the things it's it's the what students learn question um, that is answered by classical and what we mean by that is that um, we want students to to experience and learn um, about western civilization that the church built upon the the understandings of the ancients and that this is an inheritance this is a birthright for our for our uh, students um, so it's not just that we're studying the Greeks because they're interesting, even though they are very interesting, um, but that this is a, an inheritance that we want to hand on to them. And that it turns out people a couple thousand years ago were asking big questions like we do. Moderns did not invent big questions like who are we, what is life for, things like that. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, up and down the centuries, these are these are the things that uh, human beings have been grappling with, you know, and again, particularly within the Western canon. Um, so I think that's 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 kind of how I would I don't know I, I would summarize our six twelve stuff in a nutshell. Super well done, and you you hit upon other episodes here in this convention series. We talked about classical education. We talked about the formation of the whole person. So the whole convention is coming together. We've hit upon we've go more in depth on some of these things that you mentioned, Tony, in previous episodes in this convention series, of course, we'll have those linked. But if you're listening to this episode, and without having listened to the other ones, know that those are there. So thank you. Speaking as a parent who has children in the six through 12 program, I've been really impressed with how things have gone. They've really flourished in this program. One of the things they got a lot out of last year was the homeroom program. So Everybody's enrolled for this coming year, and I've been hearing lots of good things about the direction that's going. We saw that firsthand, but I hear there's more good stuff to come. So do you all want to say something about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I love the homeroom program. It's definitely been one of those things that has evolved year after year. Um, I have to thank Nicole because I think she was definitely one of the most instrumental people in developing that homeroom program back in the day. And I think our first year of having it was 2016, maybe. And back then it was like 45 minutes. It was community building, a couple of study skills, which is kind of fun. 
Um, and we only had it for middle school. So I think we had it for, you know, just sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And, and the idea was that we, we saw that our students needed um, a place to connect with each other, to have another teacher that could kind of just see what's going on in, in that grade level, right? Like what are, what are sixth graders struggling with? What do they need help with as far as study skills? You know, what's going to help them be successful in the online environment? And, and that's how Homeroom was really born. And then it, it grew um, to ninth grade and then to 10th grade. And now we have it all the way up through 12th grade. And what we do in Homeroom is we address specific things that that grade level needs. So like in 12th grade, they're basically, it's only a 12th grade Homeroom is only first semester. Um, and they're specifically working on the college application process in there. Like they're getting feedback on, you know, how they should be approaching that, you know, writing their essays, asking for letters of recommendation, addressing a lot of things that, you know, you might get kind of in a guidance counselor uh, type of class or something like that. And then going on down, you know, in, in ninth grade, the whole class is, is working on, you know, what kind of study skills do you need to transition into um, high school? So, so the first half of the homeroom class, which meets an hour and 20 minutes now every week, the first half of that's going to be the teacher leading them through some of those study skills sessions, um, some community building, that sort of thing. And then the second half of the class, and this is a new development this past year, and it went really, really well, is, is actually, the second half is actually a study hall. Um, so students can, can hang out and, and work on homework with one another, that kind of thing. And while that study hall is going on, the homeroom teacher is cycling through the students individually and meeting with them to talk about academic goals, just kind of in a, you know, a check-in to see how they're doing spiritually, emotionally, physically, all those things, um, to just a checkpoint, right? And so they, they aim to meet with each individual student, um, three or four times a year throughout the year to, to kind of keep a pulse on that. And one thing we're adding this year to homeroom is that, um, so we had the students before their meeting with the teacher would have to like fill out this little rubric, like, how am I doing? How are my grades? How do I feel about school? That kind of thing. And now we're going to involve the parent in that. So the parent is going to get an email, uh, ahead of time, um, from the homeroom teacher and, and, they'll kind of fill that out together with the student. The, the actual meeting itself will be just with the student and the teacher. Um, so they kind of have that little outlet. So yeah, I think it's, it's really a great um, program that we have to, to help our students be successful and to make sure you know, they're doing well just overall. Appreciate all the work that has gone into that because it's been a huge help to us here. We do have an episode about the homeroom program as well. So lots of links to check out in our show notes. Okay, Maggie Hayden, Curriculum Director for Colby. What's the farthest distance you've traveled to a convention? Oh, well, the one that I remember taking forever to get to was in Edmonton, Canada. Okay. It took, it was hard to get there, lots of flights. Yeah. At that time they didn't have airports that were just a quick connection. And then when I got there, I was so shocked because it was like 11 o'clock at night and it, there was still a sun in the sky. <laughs> and I couldn't get over the lack of nighttime there. Yeah. So it was kind of the most memorable conference experience I've had. But like everyone else, I really love conferences for the fact that you get to meet families mm -hmm. and make these connections. One of the very first conferences I went to, they forgot to give lunch to the vendors. Oops. And I was really hungry. It had been all day and I hadn't eaten. And this sweet little sixth grade girl came up to me and she said, I noticed you didn't have lunch. Do you want mine? Aww. And it was just the most touching thing. I didn't know her at all, but I've actually um, now, I mean, I've become friends with their family. I've known them. She now has children about a sixth grade age herself. So, and Sweet. it's been fun. I've stayed connected with their entire family and all their cousins. And so that was really one of the most wonderful and memorable experiences that was just, that was the most touching. Sure. And yeah, that's a great story. Well, would you give us some quick tips for starting the year well as a homeschooling family and uh, tip us off on any exciting upcoming projects to be on the lookout for or other new developments you want to tell us about? All right. Great. Yeah. So just a couple of things. One is as a, you know, I've learned having homeschooled my own children uh, for, mm, you know, 20 years now, so close to that the um that the most important thing is taking a mom day 
in early August where you um, actually get all your kids' books and sit down with all of them and actually look through them and make sure you have everything you need, that it all makes sense so that when that first day comes and your kid comes and says, I don't know what to do, mom, you can actually speak to that um, point. So I, I always recommend taking a day and just kind of working through everything, checking their shelves, having the books in a certain place and making sure everything's there. And then making a schedule. And when you have teens involve them in the schedule, you got to get them on board. So you're still the mom. They have to work with your schedule. If they don't want to do math with you at 8 a.m. in the morning and that's your time, they're going to have to accommodate you because you have more going on. But they should be involved. So setting up a schedule uh, and something that you can remember, whether it's I have little kids and I'm starting with the youngest and then moving up from that one every day doing, you know, 30 minutes with that child or starting with a, new, a different child every day. It, it doesn't matter what your system is, as long as it's a system and it's relatively easy to remember. It, it won't last, you know, nothing works perfect. It looks beautiful on paper and you start out two to three weeks in and you have a bad week and it doesn't work. That's okay. You have something that's kind of a template for what you want it to look like. So something you can try to get back to or make adjustments to as needed. The only other thing is I just recommend staggering if you have a lot of children. So like for us with the children in the online program, you know, uh, he'll, he'll get started first with his online classes. We'll get him in a good rhythm for about a week and then start bringing in some of the homeschool uh, courses. And um, with my other children, same thing, I'll stagger, start with the younger ones earlier, get them in a routine so that I'm not dealing with their, you know, well, I don't want to do school today yeah. beforehand. They're already in that established routine. So it's, that's also something to think about. If you have flexibility with some children, you know, work that in so that the kids are in the habit of doing school before you start. So those are some of the, um, you know, the, the tips I'd give to moms starting out, especially the new moms who haven't done this before, or maybe are bringing home a uh, several children are putting more in the online program and thinking about, you know, wanting it, them to have a good start, but having little ones that are bouncing around yeah. um, and what to do with them. So. Those are fantastic. Yes. Great. Yeah. And, and then as far as uh, programs we're working on and things we're doing, I did want to mention that our history three textbook is now available in the Colby bookstore. We have a student book, a teacher manual, uh, timeline and timeline cards. And I am really excited about this. So oh, yeah. we're, we're jumping into the, you know, the realm of curriculum, putting out books in areas that we don't have something that quite suits our need. And history three was our first foray into that. It's an amazing program and different. I think it's unique in that it's a work text, which is really nice. It's kind of a hybrid between a textbook and a workbook, which makes it really nice for the mom because there's like this lovely two-page spread of, you know, content for the student to read at level. And then there's four worksheet pages, including one that allows for categorizing. So, you know, who is this person? It's personality driven, but in a timeline framework. When did they live? Who are they? Were they a scientist, an inventor, uh, you know, in civics? Um, and some just neat facts about them. And then there's fun worksheets. And then there's some that are actually pre-writing skills. You know, you might see a bubble like a um, George Washington and four bubbles for facts that you could put in that you learned about George Washington. And that's a really important pre-writing skill. So I think students will find that this text, you know, it's fun and engaging, but it will also actually strengthen skills in other areas as well. Like they'll they'll learn how to write how to pull key information and it will be in a gentle manner. So I'm really excited. And the teacher's manual has lots of extension assignments, things to make it hands-on and bring it to life. And so that's, that's out and available. And I'm, that's wonder, that's kind of the first big thing we've done. And we're anxious to get more things out there like this, but I'm, I'm really excited. I've seen a lot of history texts over the years and this one is definitely unique and I think going to be a really, you know, a really good product. 
Congratulations. That's very exciting. Nancy on our bookstore episode mentioned that and it's great to hear more about it. And I know you've played a significant role in that with Nicole and, and folks along with you guys working on that. I'm excited for you guys. And, and like I told Nancy, like now I need a third grader because I don't have any more third graders. Like who I need to borrow a third grader somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And it is interesting just to mention there that it is a tested program. So Nicole and I have both, you know, over this past year, we've been working with teachers and students. So trying out our lessons. Mm-hmm. So we're, that's another thing. You just mentioned that with the, having a third grader who, um, you know, we actually needed third graders to, to test this, to yeah. make sure. So we wanted to make sure exercises were engaging and interesting and get teacher feedback on what activities really appeal to those kids doing that, those assignments. So I think that's a, another neat thing. We've, this program has come through some testing already. It's off to a good start. So is that available for, is that for the online elementary school or is that also available for the homeschool, those who do it offline as a home? It's course? also available for homeschool. Great. Okay. So that is available now. If you've uh, haven't placed your book order or if you need to place a second order, we look forward to seeing what more is to come. I'm hoping to hear more about the publishing side that seems to be growing a lot. Okay. This has been a fantastic overview of Colby's program and mission. It's given everybody, hopefully, a, a, a starting point to delve more deeply into the richness that, of Colby's offerings. Our show notes will have links to lots of things, so check those out. Of course, listen to the end for a special code to waive the late enrollment fees if you haven't yet enrolled. So if you have specific questions about things that have come up in the course of this conversation, we'll go back to that. The uh, baseline suggestion to contact your family advisor um, if you are an enrolled family if you haven't yet enrolled you will have a family advisor who will help you navigate this system and all the all the great stuff that is on offer here we've got lots of Kobe cast episodes as i've been mentioning along the way that that go more deeply into the topics we've discussed it is always great to see all of you all sure appreciate you coming back to be on this panel with us hopefully we'll meet up in person at a convention or otherwise sometime soon but in the meantime it's been great seeing you all this way Thank you, everyone. Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorum Dei Gloriam. Thank you for attending the ColbyCast Summer Convention and for stopping by the Colby Table. If you're still thinking of enrolling, we can help you avoid some of the late fees. When you're registering for courses, enter the following code into the Admin Area Only field to have the late fees waived. The code is VIRTUAL22. That's VIRTUAL22, no spaces, either all caps or all lowercase, VIRTUAL22. God bless.